This student ministry podcast is a sermon preached by Pastor Jim Shetler at the 2008 West Coast Baptist Teen Camp. Pastor Shetler is the senior pastor of the First Baptist Church in Santa Maria, California, and we hope this message is a blessing to you. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45. I do need to set this passage of Scripture up or you'll never agree with me in a million years. Now, I know we could take Abraham with that knife above his own son Isaac on Mount Moriah. You can't get too much more dramatic than that as he lifted that knife to kill his only son. You know, you could take those the Israelites walking around Jericho on that seventh day six times, and just before they give the shout, that must have been a big one. Can you imagine Moses holding that rod out over the Red Sea? And what a dramatic moment as the Egyptian army had them at a dead end at a cul-de-sac. There's a lot of dramatic moments in the Old Testament. But I personally believe, emotionally, This may be the dramatic moment of any human being of the Old Testament. Let me tell you a little bit about a guy that, unfortunately, I probably relate to more than any Old Testament character. His name is Jacob. Actually, Jacob has two names. His one name means supplanter, deceiver, trickster. His other name means prince with God. And I think, boy, does that typify Jim Shetler's life, I think, as well. You know, you just got a Jacob side and you got an Israel side. The old nature and the new nature. And uh, by the way, we see both of those in the passage I'm going to show you in just a minute. But in the Old Testament, there are pictures of Jesus Christ. And really, that's what the Old Testament is. The Old Testament is a photo album. I like photos. I love pictures. I brought with me, uh, my boys bought me for Christmas, one of those digital, uh, those digital picture frames. How many of you got? Any of you got, got any of those? Those are the neatest things. I've got one in my office. I brought it with me. I just forgot the plug thing that goes into it. But, but uh, So I haven't been able to see any of the pictures. But I brought my photo album with me, my digital thing with me. And I, I have it right on my desk. And I, I, I see all my pictures of my family and all the vacations we've taken. And it brings back so many good memories. Well, you know what? That's what the Old Testament is. The Old Testament's a photo album. And it's pictures of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you see it in the temple. You see it in the, ta- oh, the tabernacle. What a photo album of Christ. Every part of the, ta- the, the ingredients, the, the elements, the, way, the dimensions, everything's a picture of Jesus Christ. The sacrifices. Wow, every one of the sacrifices, pictures of Jesus Christ. And then there's people who picture Christ. There is, I don't think, a better human picture of Christ in the Old Testament than Joseph. Joseph is an incredible picture of our Lord Jesus Christ in so many different areas. But his father was a man named Jacob, and Jacob's quite a guy. Jacob and Esau were twins, and Jacob was the second one out. Therefore, Esau would get the blessing and the birthright as the elder, even though Jacob was you know, born right afterwards. 
And uh, Jacob did some things. You know, Jacob had a spiritual heart, but he always did things the wrong way. And uh, Jacob was kind of a mama's boy as well. And Jacob got in trouble with a lot of things, and he deceived. He, first of all, he got Esau to sell his birthright kind of in a funny way. And then, and then later on, he deceived him about the blessing. And he, he dressed up, and by the way, this is important, he dressed himself up as Esau. And went in when Isaac was really old for Isaac to give the blessing on Jacob. And mom got an outfit for him with goat hair and everything so he would feel like Esau. And he tried to talk like Esau. And he deceived his dad. You know, there's something about sin. Have you ever heard of the, you know, the, the, the law of the harvest? You reap what you sow. You reap later than you sow. And you reap more than you sow. Jacob is the classic illustration. Jacob was deceived by his own sons. It was a lot worse what he was deceived about. And it was later in his life that he got deceived. Everything Jacob did, he reaped later in his life. But you know, Jacob loved God. And God loved Jacob. And you know, through Jacob, all the tribes. And, and, and then Jacob, get, um, he goes to his uh, uncle and he sees a, a, one of his uncle's daughters that he really, you know, is really interested in. Her name, and this is really important in the story, her name is Rachel. And Rachel's a good looking her. I mean, Rachel is a really attractive girl. And that's who Jacob wants as his wife. And I'll tell you how much he loves her. He loves her enough. Uncle Laban says, okay, you can have Rachel, but you're going to have to work seven years for her. Well, you know what? Those seven years went by like a day. Because when you're in love, I'm telling you what, he was in love with Rachel. Rachel was always his favorite. And that's going to come into play here when I'm going to tell you in just a minute. So after seven years of waiting for Rachel, Jacob's tricked. You know, he's reaping what he sows. And he gets Leah, the older sister, which apparently wasn't quite as attractive. And he didn't know it until the wedding night day. And Leah begins to bear children. And they are the tribes of Israel that we begin to see Reuben and Simeon and Judah and all of them. But he waits another seven years to get Rachel because he loves. Rachel has always been the love of his heart. So 14 years, finally, he gets Rachel. So Leah has already had some children. We have Rachel come on the scene now. And Rachel can't have any kids. So you can imagine the friction and the dysfunctional family and the bitterness between the sisters and everything that goes on. Finally, Rachel gives to uh, her husband, Jacob, a concubine. And from there, there's some more boys brought. Rachel still doesn't have a child. And the family has so much tension in it. Rachel and Leah absolutely hate each other because Jacob keeps loving Rachel and keeps having kids from Leah. And then finally... Rachel has a child, and that child is Yosef, Joseph. And oh, that child is so dear to, to Jacob. This is his love of his life, and his love of his life finally has a boy, and it's Joseph, and he absolutely, now you got favoritism in the family. And you can imagine what all those other boys thought. Man, the other boys were like, Joseph gets favored this way, favored this way. So, you know, and all of these things, Rachel has one more boy. That second son is a boy named Benjamin, son of my right hand, Benjamin. But in the birth of Benjamin, Rachel dies. So now the love of his life dies. 
He's got all these boys. Two of them are from Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin. Well, this family has got so much favoritism, jealousy, and tension in it. And the boys hate Joseph, and Jacob keeps honoring Joseph more and more, and even puts Joseph over the authority. And Joseph begins to have dreams that all of his other brothers are going to bow down to him. Oh, man, it just makes it even worse. Well, finally, the boys get enough of it, and, it's, and, and you know, Brother Joseph is out there checking on them and what they're doing from their dad. And they throw Joseph in a pit, and they want to kill Joseph. And Reuben says, no, 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 don't kill him. He's the oldest son, you know. And he says, no, no, don't kill him now. But they end up selling Joseph as a slave to Egypt, to the Ishmaelites, and sell him as a slave to go to Egypt. And they got to tell a story to dad. Now, this is important. So they tell the story to dad, and they say to dad, they, they bring back this coat, that, a coat of authority, coat of many colors that Joseph had, and they dipped it in goat's blood. And they bring it back, and they say, dad, dad. You won't believe what we found. We found Joseph's coat. And look, Dad, it's all bloody. He must have got killed by an animal. Oh, no. Oh, no, not Joseph. Rachel's, oh, no, not Joseph. And he's just absolutely heartbroken over that. Now all he's got is Benjamin left from Rachel. And all he thinks, by the way, he's deceived just the way he deceived his father. Now he's getting deceived himself. You know, young people, be sure your sin will find you out. Now, let, let me say that. Now, now, a lot of times we hear that verse and we think to ourselves, well, that verse ain't true. That verse isn't true because I cheated back in sixth grade on a test and I never found out. No one's ever going to find it out. I stole something from a store three years ago and no one's ever going to find that out. I mean, be sure your sin will find you out. There is no way that that sin will ever be found out. I did something. I watched something uh, uh, three months ago. No one's ever going to know. I've I've covered my tracks. No one's ever going to find that out. I lied to my parents a while back, and there is no way that they're going to find out that they'll ever find out. Be sure your sin will find you out. Here's what it means. It means be sure your sin, the sin you committed, will find you out. What what do you mean, Brother Schaller? Did you lie? Yeah. Sin is the greatest detective there's ever been. The sin of lying will find you out. You know, maybe it's true. You'll get by with that little sin you did. But I'm going to tell you, if you lied, if you cheated, if you stole, there's coming a day stealing's coming to your house. Because sin will find you out, young person. You can choose your sin, but you can't choose your consequences. And that sin will find you out sooner or later. If you lie to your friends, if you lie to your parents, there's going to come a day your children are going to lie to you. Your sin will find you out. So it did with Jacob. And here now, they came in and they said, hey, dad, look, your son's dead, you know, Joseph. Well, he wasn't dead. He went over to Egypt. And there in Egypt, he was in Potiphar's house, you know, the captain of the king's guard. And and he held, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this about tomorrow and temptation. You know, he fought against and refused Potiphar's wife's temptation. And then what happened to him? He gets thrown in prison. And he's left in prison for two years. He's forgotten. He gives a couple dreams to a baker and a butler. The butler goes back to Pharaoh and totally forgets him. And it seems like everything's going bad for Joseph. But Joseph rises to the top. 
Pharaoh brings him out. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. He says, Pharaoh, you're going to have seven good years of good uh, uh, of plenty, and then you're going to have seven famine years. And if I were you, I would be storing away the good years so that when the bad years are here, you're going to have enough food for everybody. And he says, well, I'm going to need a leader to do that. Joseph, why don't you do it? And all of a sudden, Joseph goes from the prison cell to Zaphapania the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. And now everybody, we go through the seven years of famine and everybody needs food in the whole world. Well, where do they go? They go to Egypt because Joseph interpreted the dream. Now they've got food. Well, the boys are lacking for food and they know the only place that's got food is Egypt. And you know, every time they talk about Egypt, that name Joseph comes to their mind because they feel so guilty about what they did. And they sold him as a slave. He's probably dead now or he's some peasant somewhere. You know, they have no idea what happened. So the boys go over to, Joseph, or over to Egypt to get some food. But they leave Benjamin. <clears throat> because Jacob says, I can't lose Benjamin. I can't lose my boy, my baby boy. He is my son of Rachel, and Benjamin is the most important thing in my life right now. <clears throat> so the boys go and they get food, and they stand before Joseph. They have no idea it's Joseph. Joseph gives them some food. They go back. The other things that come, but anyways, they go back, and he says this. He keeps one of the brothers in prison. His name's Simeon. And he says, if you ever come back again, bring your youngest brother. Well, they say that ain't ever going to happen. They have, again, they have no idea this is Joseph. He has not revealed himself to them yet. And they have no idea it's him, but they said, man, we're never going to bring back our younger brother. You know, I mean, dad would die if anything happened to him. So they go back, they run out of food, and they got to go back again for more food. And Jacob says, hey, guys, go on back. Get some more food. Dad, we can't. Why can't you? Man, we, if we don't get food, our family's going to die. Dad, the guy over there who's the leader says that if we come back, we got to bring our youngest son with us, our, our, our youngest brother with us. He says, you're not taking Benjamin. He says, Dad, then we can't go. He says, you're not letting ben I'm not letting Benjamin go. That's all I've got left from Rachel. I'm not letting that go. He says, Dad, they say, Dad, we can't get any food. Well, they wait a little longer and they're dying. So finally, Jacob says, okay. But he says, and Judah makes a promise. Judah says, Dad... I promise you that I will, I will take Benjamin's place if anything happens. Dad, Benjamin will come back. So Benjamin leaves, you know, and all the brothers go to get the food. And they come in front of Joseph again, and Joseph gives them some more food. They have a big banquet, you know, and they leave the next day. And Joseph plants his silver cup in the bag of, of Benjamin. And then they leave, and that silver cup is, you know, a symbol of authority and all this. And then they leave. And then he sends his steward out to get him. He says, hey, Zaphaphania's silver cup is gone. Where is it? Well, I don't know. Hey, we didn't take it. We didn't take it. Let's check your bags of grain. So they begin to go through the bags of grain. And sure enough, in whose bag do they find it? Benjamin's. And they find it. And man, the brothers turn white as a ghost like, oh man, we are in trouble. We are in trouble. So they all go back together. They stand before their brother. They have still no idea it's him. This is a dramatic moment, let me tell you. 
Because Judah steps up and gives one of the greatest confessions of the entire Bible. And he says, listen, this has happened because we haven't been the right kind of brothers. We did something terrible before. He has no idea he's saying this to Joseph. And he says, listen, let me take his place. My father will die if Benjamin doesn't go back. If Benjamin doesn't go back, my dad will die. Take me instead. Well, Joseph can't handle it anymore. I mean, Joseph sees the repentance. Joseph sees what's happened. Joseph sees the heart of the guys. And he takes off his garments. He clears everyone out. And by the way, it would have probably been a room about this size. He clears everyone out but the brothers. And they're going like, what's going on? And he looks at his brothers. And he says, is my father still alive? It's me, Joseph. Well, they look like they just saw a ghost. I mean, first of all, if this is Joseph, they're in really big trouble, you know? I mean, this is really bad news. And they're going like, what? what? No, 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 come here. You meant it to me for evil, but God meant it for good. It's okay what's happened. Guys, it's your brother, Joseph. Well, man, they have an incredible reunion. It's unbelievable what happens. They have all this joy, and then... They load up the wagons with all kinds of treasures and food and garments and everything. And Benjamin, being Joseph's little brother, he puts on five garments, gold and silver. I mean, Joseph just loads him down with all kinds of things. And they go back to see Jacob. Now we come to Genesis chapter 45. Let me ask you something, young people. Have you ever had a day... That you got bad news after bad news after bad news. And if you got any more bad news, you were going to die. And you say, listen, listen, don't even tell me anything more. I've had so much bad news, I can't take anymore. Have you ever had a day like that? Man, I have. I have. I've had a lot of those days like, don't tell me anything else. Have you ever had a day in your life that you were given so much good news that the next person who came in say, hey, if you're going to tell me good news, I don't want to hear it. I mean, I've had so much good news today. I've been told so many good things today. I don't want to hear it. If you're going to come in here and tell me good news, I don't want to hear it. Have you ever had a day like that? I have never experienced that day yet. But we're about to hear Jacob's day is like that. Listen to me now as we go to Genesis 45 and verse 24. So he sent his brother, brethren away, and they departed. And he said unto them, See that ye fall not out by the way. By the way, that's a great missions verse. And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father and told him saying, Joseph is yet alive and he is governor over all the land of Egypt and Jacob's heart fainted for he believed them not. For they told him all the words of Joseph which he had said unto them and when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. I love this. And Israel, isn't that great? Jacob is his old nature. Israel is his new nature. Now he is revived and now he's in his new nature. Of Jacob, their father revived. And Israel said, it is enough. Don't tell me anymore. I can't handle any more good news. And it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Father, I pray that tonight, as we look at Joseph, 
we'll see Jesus Christ. Father, may these young people leave here tonight knowing the kind of Savior that they serve, knowing the kind of Savior that saved them. Father, I pray tonight that every young person, Lord, I'm not interested in decisions tonight. I'm interested, Father, that our young people here tonight would love Christ like they've never loved him before. That, Lord, they would see Jesus Christ lifted up on high. And, Father, from this story, I pray that Christ would be lifted up in this teen camp so that we would know God, so that we would want to serve God all the days of our life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you what happened here. So every day Jacob came out and he looked out over the hills and he looked at his men. Do you see them yet? Are they coming back yet? No. Sorry. Sorry, Jacob. We haven't seen a sign yet today. Oh, God of Abraham. God of Isaac. God, please. Jehovah, please. Let Benjamin come back. Oh, let Benjamin come back. On Rachel's grave. On Joseph's grave. Please let Benjamin come back. Oh, dear God. Allow Benjamin to come back. Well, one day the men come running in. Jacob, Jacob, the boys, they're coming back. They're coming back, Jacob. They're coming back. Do you, do you see Benjamin? I don't know, but they're coming and they're coming with wagons. Oh, oh, is Benjamin there? Oh, is Benjamin there? Now remember, the greatest joy that Jacob could have ever had was that Benjamin came back. He never thought he would hear the news of Joseph. And about that time, one of the boys comes running in. I think it might have been Reuben, first of all. And Reuben comes running in, and he says, Dad, Dad, you won't believe it. Dad, you won't believe it. Oh, oh, Benjamin's okay. Yeah, Dad, Benjamin's fine. Guess what, Dad? Joseph, Joseph, Joseph is alive. Joseph is living. Dad, Joseph, your son is living. Oh, no. No, Joseph's dead. Joseph's dead. Here's, here's the garment. Here, here's the blood. Here, no, Joseph's dead. Dad, we'll tell you about that later, Dad. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, Dad. Joseph is living. He's alive. Can you imagine when Jacob heard the news that Joseph was living? Only thing I can compare that to is a woman in a garden on a Sunday morning that came back and thought she was talking to the gardener. And here she just wanted to anoint the body of Jesus. And she said, please, sir, where did you lay the body? And she hears the words, Mary. Rabona, is it you? Are you alive? Young people, in June of 2008, can I tell you something? If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, he's living. He's alive, young people. He came from the bosom of the Father to the bosom of a woman. He put on humanity that you could put on divinity. He became the Son of Man so that you could become the sons of God. He was born contrary to the laws of nature. He lived in poverty. He was reared in obscurity. In infancy, he startled a king. In boyhood, he ruled. He, he, he puzzled the doctors. And in manhood, he ruled the course of nature. Great men have lived and died, young people, but Jesus Christ lives on forever. Go stand in the city of the dead and call the name of great men. Socrates, 
And a voice answers. Here. Mohammed. Present. Buddha. Here. But go call the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And an angel answers. He is not here. He is risen. Herod could not kill him. Satan could not seduce him. And the death could not destroy him. Young people, you serve a living Savior. And I will tell you this. At the gravesite, no religion known to man gives the hope and faith that Christianity does. When you go to a jeweler, guys, and you want to pick out that really nice rock for, your, for the girl that you've chosen, you go to that jeweler and you pick out that nice diamond, he will take a piece of black velvet and he will lay that black velvet out on the countertop and then he will lay those diamonds on that black velvet. Do you know why he lays those diamonds on the black velvet? Because on the black background, the diamonds shine brighter. And young people, at the world's time of death, Christianity is the, sh the sharpest, clearest diamond there is. And you know why? Because we have a risen Savior. Young people, if you... If you have lost a loved one, you haven't lost them if they know Jesus Christ is their Savior. I want you to know, young person, that we're not sending you back to Lancaster. We're not sending you back to California on Friday with a dead God. We're sending you back with a living Savior. Man, what a moment that had to be for Jacob. Joseph is living. And about that time, I think old Simeon came running in. Simeon comes running in and says, Dad, Dad, you won't believe it. I know, I heard, Joseph is living. Dad, not only is he living, but Dad, he's the Lord over everything. Dad, I'm telling you, he's the governor. Dad, everyone bows down to him. He's not only living, but he's Lord. And young person, I don't know what's going to happen in the election of 2008 in the United States. I don't know what the, his, what, what the future of our world and our country is. But can I tell you this? You serve Jesus Christ, who is not only living, but young person, he's the Lord of all. He is Lord. And young people, I want to encourage you. You give your life to this Lord. You want to know who God is? He's the living God, Jesus Christ. And he's the Lord God. No matter what you have, give your heart and will over to him. I believe right about that time, old Judah came marching in. And old Judah comes running in and he says, Dad, Dad, oh, I know Judah. I know, I've heard. Dad, Dad, I got to tell you, I know Joseph, he's living. Yeah, but Dad, besides that, I know, I know, I, I know Judah. He, he's Lord, isn't he? Yes, Dad, he's Lord over everything. But Dad, let me tell you more than that. He loves us. Dad, in spite of what we did to him, in spite of our sin towards him. We're the ones that put him in a pit. And dad, he actually loves us, dad. He's actually forgiven us. And he loves us for what we are. And even in spite of what we did, he still loves us. And young person, I want to tell you tonight, you serve a savior who loves every one of you. Young person, he does. He loves you. And whatever you've gone through and whatever's happened in your life, it's a sign of God's fingerprints that he loves you in your heart and in your life. Young person, don't you ever believe the lie that God doesn't have a purpose for you, a plan for you, and that God doesn't love you. Young person, I want you to know, God loves you. You know what? 
I believe right about that time. I don't know why, but I always thought of Levi being some big, you know, he's the priest, so I think of a big fat guy. I don't know. But anyways, Levi comes in, you know, and Levi comes over to dad, and he's going over towards Jacob, and he says, dad, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, dad. I know, I know, Levi, you don't have to. Yeah, I know, Joseph is living. Yeah, but dad, not only is he living, I know, I know, he's Lord over everything. Yeah. But dad, not only is he Lord over everything, I know, I know, he loves us, and we're going to go see him. And he says, yeah, dad, not only does he love us, but he's longing for us to come back to him. He's longing for us, and he's prepared a place for us, dad. Dad, he's given us a land and a piece of property, and he's got palaces, and dad, he's longing for us to be with him. Young people, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Young person, Jesus Christ is preparing heaven for you. And man, I got to tell you, that's a blessing. Now, you know what? When we talk about heaven with teenagers, sometimes I've had teenagers say, well, like, is this going to be big enough for everyone? I mean, you know, I mean, I want to go out soul winning and everything. I don't want people to go to hell, but I mean, like, there's like six billion people on the earth right now. I mean, like, is there going to be room in this place? Young people, do you know the Bible tells you how big heaven is? The Bible says that heaven is 12,000 furlongs long, 12,000 furlongs wide, and 12,000 furlongs high. Amen? Amen. What's a furlong? (laughs) A furlong is an eighth of a mile. That means heaven is 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, and 1,500 miles high. Well, how big is 1,500 miles? Well, one day, I took a little old piece of, I I took a AAA map of the United States, and I took some cardboard, and I cut it out in that scale, and I laid it down. And it went from Caribou, Maine, to Miami, Florida, to Brownsville, Texas, to Bismarck, North Dakota. And that's the size of heaven. That's just that way. It's 1,500 miles high. Our atmosphere ends at 10 miles It's 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles long, and 1,500 miles wide. Young people, do you know that every person on this planet can fit in Rhode Island? Did you know that every person in this planet can stand inside the city limits of Jacksonville, Florida, and not touch anybody? Young people, they talk about overpopulation. I'm telling you right now, the whole world population can fit in Rhode Island. Every person on this planet right now can fit in the city limits of Jacksonville. Do you have any idea how 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long? And I love the verse in Revelation when it says that heaven comes down. You know what? Heaven's a movable city. That means we're going to go all throughout space. I think God put those stars. I think he put those galaxies. I think he put those solar systems. I think he put those black holes for us to go investigate. And young people, heaven's going to go everywhere for all of eternity. And you'll continue to learn. It's not only a big place, it's a blessed place. And it's a beautiful place. Young people, I want to tell you this. That heaven is a great thing. And he's preparing it. And he's longing for you to come. Wow, what a savior. I'm telling you, I think this is the most dramatic moment in all of the Old Testament. When Jacob hears the news that Joseph is living that Joseph is Lord, that Joseph loves us, and that Joseph is longing for us to come. And about that time, Benjamin walks in. Now, Benjamin's the last one to walk in because he's got the most things on him. Benjamin is covered 
with garments, jewelry, gold, and silver. And he comes walking in. And he says, Dad, Dad. Well, first of all, you know Jacob had to be glad to see Benjamin. Oh, Benjamin. Oh, Benjamin. And he goes, this is Dad. You won't believe it. I know your brother, Joseph. He's living. Yeah, but Dad, let me tell you. I know your brother, Joseph. He's Lord. Yeah, but Dad, let me. I know. He loves us. Yeah, but Dad, I know. I know he's longing for us to come. Yeah, but Dad, let me tell you the greatest thing of all. Not only is he Lord and is he loving, is he, is he living? Man, he's loaded. I mean, he's loaded. He's got everything. I'm telling you, Dad, he's the richest man in the world. And he's my brother. Young person, I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ is not only living tonight. He's not only your Lord, and he not only loves you, and he's not only longing for you to come, but can I tell you tonight, young person, Jesus Christ is loaded. I mean, he's loaded, young person. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And when you get to know this God, you'll want to serve him all the days of your life. Young person, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. When you know Jesus Christ in your life, and you know who he is and what he's done, I want to tell you, young person, it's the greatest joy in all the world, serving this God who is living. We don't go to bed tonight with a dead God. We go to bed tonight praying to the Lord of Lords. We go to bed tonight with a God who loves you. We go to bed tonight with a God who's saying, come on, it won't be long, I'm taking you to heaven. And we go to bed tonight with the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Young person, this is the God that I want you to serve and commit to tomorrow. This is the Lord that I want you to love and serve the rest of the days of your life. Young people, you really have a great Savior in Jesus Christ. I pray that you will love him all the days of your life. Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.